This is exactly the reason I've never wanted to open a coffee shop because I did the math in my head and I realized ultimately my business would fail because a cup of coffee in my space would probably end up being about $30 a cup. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Ford, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar. This is episode two of our five-part series with Brian Gaffney. Brian, we are talking about the viable um, business models between the viability of the business models between specialty and uh, commercial coffee. And in this episode, we're going to look at comparing those business models from a business model perspective, not from a like a philosophical perspective of what is specialty and what is commercial and, you know, what does what does specialty coffee even mean these days is another topic of discussion. Let's not go there. Um, but when, when people come to me as a consultant uh, and they say, I want to open a coffee shop. And my first question to them is, okay, tell me about the business that you want to open. And they say, I just want to open a coffee shop. They don't typically understand that there are different business models that you can have. And it tells me that immediately this person does not have an understanding of the fundamental business principles that exist. Uh, and we recently had Miranda Caldwell on the podcast, exceptional series. Everybody needs to go and check that out because we talked about this specific thing in specialty coffee that people don't have an understanding of basic business principles. I believe that that exists more on the specialty side than on the commercial side. And I, the reason I believe that that exists on the commercial side less is because people are more focused on the craft of running a business than the craft of coffee. I'd love to get your understanding of what that mix is like and, and how you see the difference between these two business models and which is more successful and which is, is, is not. You know, first, let me say, I think both models can be successful. Mm -hmm. I think that there's room for both to for both commercial and um, and and room for for the specialty side. And again, I, I love metaphors because I think they're really fast ways to, to communicate points. And so if we think about something like hospitality and hotels, mm -hmm. like if you really need an inexpensive place with a relatively safe, you know, clean bed, right, a lamp, a desk, you can find a hotel for that. And then if you want a place where you want a luxurious experience that's got great linens, great restaurant, great lighting, right, great art on the walls, um, great levels of service, right, if you want a massage, et cetera, you can also have that, right? Both of those things exist. Mm -hmm. Again, we talked in the last episode about restaurants. Like if you want a burger, you can go to a quick serve restaurant and spend, you know, $3 for a burger. Or if you want to go to a fine dining restaurant and spend $30 for a burger, you can do that. So, you know, in, in just about any industry, we see that spectrum mm -hmm. where I, I think that specialty coffee specifically is is challenged is it's trying to become specialty by building on the back of commercial coffee. And, and by that, I mean, if I think about commercial coffee, I think volume. Right. And it gets one of those commercial coffee is volume. We need to sell as much of it as possible right? Mm. At the lowest price possible, because we know that the margins are going to be low. So we make the revenue or the income comes from the volume, right? Mm -hmm. And then what other things can we add to the tickets, right? So how do I increase my average revenue per customer? It's because I want to sell you a cup of coffee and a sandwich and a this and a that. And so by the end of the day, right, I've sold you the coffee, which is probably the thing you came in for, 
that might have even been my loss leader because there are these other higher margin products that I wanted you to buy once you arrived. Mm-hmm. And that's commercial. On the specialty side, right? And now I'm no longer looking at the same volume, right? I'm not earning my money on volume. But here's here's what the industry struggles with. The cost of the cup of coffee has to be what's going to drive your revenue. Mm-hmm. So now, and I will admit to everyone listening right now, this is exactly the reason I've never wanted to open a coffee shop. Because I did the math in my head and I realized ultimately my business would fail because a cup of coffee in my space would probably end up being about $30 a cup. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, available now online for you to learn at your own pace with a certificate available upon completion. Click the link in the show notes to access today for just 50 euros. Right. When I think about the full experience provided, what's paid, et cetera, and then I feel, well, instead of opening a business, opening a shop, the build out, paying the rent paying the team, right? Because I want to make sure that just like I'm paying for my coffee equitably, I'm paying the staff equitably, mm-hmm. right? But because of the cost, nobody's going to come in, it's going to close, and I'm going to end up brewing and serving coffee to my friends at home again. So I just kind of stayed there. Mm-hmm. But when we think about specialty, it really is what about the experience is specialty. And so now we have to think about, am I basing it on the idea of it is a, a a solitary coffee experience where people come in and the goal may be for them to sit and spend 20 minutes with a cup of coffee. And we've created the environment to facilitate that and that cost is associated. Maybe the strategy of my specialty coffee is food pairings. And so then as you come in and you select the coffee and there are food items, then I'm providing that is the service in the experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have you coming in and the idea is I want you to, I want you to come in and I'm curating coffees along with books. And so part of what I want you to do is have, have this literary slash coffee experience. So I think where specialty struggles is when I say I want to open a specialty coffee shop, what do I mean by specialty coffee? Mm-hmm. What is that specific experience? I remember finished recently Will Guadar's Unreasonable Hospitality. And when, when you know, as, as Will was talking about, he and, and his, his chef partner wanted to become the world's best restaurant, but they recognized is no one had achieved that based on the hospitality provided to the guest, the Mm. front of house experience. And that's where they decided they were going to compete and how they were going to shine in an industry that was full of phenomenal restaurants with phenomenal chefs. So they made a hospitality decision as as how they would drive 11 Madison Park in that season. And so I think then, right, as, as clients come and say, I want to open a specialty coffee shop. I think if, and if it's then it's the what's next that I think mm-hmm. really becomes interesting. So what's going to differentiate you? Is it going to be, um, you know, the, the coffees that you provide? Is it going to be, um, you know, is it, does it have to do with, again, the vessels that you're making available and the sensory experience, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that could be, like, is it, is it possible even to think about some of these omakase coffee experiences they have, which is where, you know, you go and you'll pay, Blue Bottle has one right now, $75, right? So to kind of sit and have this 90 minute mm-hmm. session. In Japan, I think there's one for about 175, where you have a similar experience where you're sitting down, mm-hmm. experiencing these coffees in a sensory rich experience, so that you're you're really taking in the coffee through all yeah. of your senses. But so, it says Bravos yeah. has one in Mexico too. Okay. 
yeah. so and I need to, I need to check that one out. But and and so again, when it comes down to uh, how are you defining specialty, the strategy is not specialty versus commercial. The strategy says within specialty, what am I going to focus on? I, I think it was the Western Hotel that finally decided we were going to come out with the bed because hotel, luxury hotels had moved so far away from the quality of the bed that Weston said, we're going to go back to the fundamentals and compete on that. And so I think that's where specialty coffee business models are struggling because people are mistaking the category of specialty with their business strategy. And that is a specialty is the category. Now the question becomes, how are you going to execute and deliver specialty? How is your patron, your customer, your client, how are they going to experience specialty? That and getting that right, pricing that appropriately, building that business model to figure out your foot traffic, your, you know, uh, again, average revenue per customer, the frequency of a customer coming in. Those are the things that once you lock down that approach and that real strategy, you can then build the business around that. And that's where I think, based on my experience stepping into a number of specialty cafes, they've not quite figured out. And you can tell in the sometimes inconsistent and conflicting experience. I don't know where to focus my time or attention. Mm. The experience hasn't been curated in such a way that it's showing me where the value is. And so now you want to make that up by trying to sell more coffee. You want to make that up by putting price pressure on your coffee so that you can generate volume. Well, now we're starting to slip into commercial practices, but you still have, you know, again, the cost of your build out, the cost of your rent, your labor, the, the fancy ceramics that you have, right? So now you're trying to compete based on volume in a specialty way. And ultimately, those things are going to lead to burnout and ultimately, you know, the business going out of out of business. Hmm. You mentioned so many fantastic points there, because when you look at the way that something is a specialty product, no matter what industry it's in, the idea of it being specialty means that it sets itself out from the norm. And when it sets itself out from the norm, it should be, you know, I was thinking of an analogy in the last episode when you were telling us uh, the difference between the two. And I was thinking some people drink alcohol to get drunk and then some people drink alcohol to enjoy the beautiful flavors in the tannins of the wine and the experience of the fruit. And they know very clearly without it's not hard for them to get to the point where they realize if they want the second experience, they have to pay for that experience. Absolutely. Here, for us in this industry, we have to spend so much more money on signaling that the product that's inside of the cup that was very expensive that we bought so that you knew that we were gonna you were gonna have that experience, the fit out, the staff, the everything is so much more expensive to signal to you that the coffee was more expensive, but you want to usually pay somewhere around the same price that you've paid for the commercial experience within, let's say, 20% of that commercial. And that comes nowhere near, nowhere near covering the cost of what it is to have the specialty coffee experience versus the commercial coffee experience. And the numbers just don't add up. Not only do they not add up, Lee, what I feel is that the, the industry then goes so far as to apologize to consumers for the pricing. So right. as opposed to as opposed to really 
the ability to be able to say to a customer, this it's six dollars per cup. One and fully own that and be able and be able to explain, you know, the cost to produce this coffee, right, was was X, mm-hmm. right? And so we understand then, and it's not a I need you to, to quantify or justify it for me, but it is I need the 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 entity, the business to signal again that this is a specialty product and that is why they're choosing to to serve that right i, I remember there was on on bloomberg a couple of years ago it was the the ceo of shake shack was speaking mm-hmm. and one I of the things that, that yeah one of the things that he talked about was you know uh, our burger right the the costs of 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 the goods that make our burgers uh, i want to say it was like you know it is why we end up with like a 5 to 7 dollar price point on the burger he said and we don't apologize for that. And no one coming into Shake Shack expects, mm-hmm. right, the, the quality that they get from, from somewhere else if they went to a different type of quick serve restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, there, there was no apologizing for, for that. Boldly, unapologetically, no, we, we know that this costs more. And anyone who comes in knows that. And that's the way that I think specialty is still struggling to communicate mm-hmm. that um, unapologetically. On behalf of the of also the work of the producer, like the work that we all had to do to bring this to you, there's a cost to that, and we want you to enjoy it. Right. I got to ask you: Do you think that the consumer cares? Not the consumer like you. You are. I mean, you carry a bag to dinner parties with brewing equipment. Okay. I do. You are, you are the beautiful kind of crazy person. And I say that with all the respect in the world, like a bowing down to you, sir. <laughs> My wife would agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy. It is a tiny, tiny percentage of people now, uh, consumers in our industry that do that. Do you agree that the consumer in our industry cares or doesn't care about the producer? Both of those answers are true. There are consumers who care and there are consumers who don't. Um, and for me, and I think about it, how there are a number of friends, like, and I love dearly close friends who are not coffee drinkers, but they mm-hmm. know if they come to the house, they're going to have a cup of coffee. Like I've even purchased espresso cups, not because I make espresso, all of the coffee that I make is filtered, but it's a smaller cup. So when I have friends come over and I simply say to them, just try it. Just try, have, have a small taste. But what I do is I'm now I'm not giving them a little bit of coffee in a big mug. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving them a lot of coffee in a mug, but I'm still giving them a taste of it in a vessel that's very special and specifically thought about just for them. Now, why does that translate, Lee? Because they leave thinking that coffee wasn't what I expected it to taste like, because it's not like anything else that I ever had. But I also had it in this really cool, small ceramic mug right and so now they left with an experience that says i still don't know that i love coffee but that was cool the next time i go to brian's house i'll do that again okay and so the conversation builds over time like and it's a relationship and so do we have the ability and the opportunity to help customers to care i think we do and again for me that example is farm to table Right. Farm to table tells us that we have consumers, patrons, customers who care about the source of things. And that becomes a factor in their choice. So for me, it's less about whether or not consumers care about producers, but it is 
have we signaled and connected with consumers who do care that coffee is one of the places where they can extend that care? And again, I think that's one of the, the places that we've missed. We go into fine dining restaurants. And again, we know where the milk came from. We know where the meat came from. We know where the vegetables came from. And then at the end of the experience, you get this really crap coffee. And you ask you, you ask the, 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 the waiter, the maitre d', the sommelier, whose coffee are you brewing? I'm not sure. Let me check. Where I think specialty has an opportunity is, in it, see, this is our opportunity to crack the nut on how we facilitate serving specialty coffee in a fine dining experience. Mm. We want to talk about innovation in this space. That's where we do it. So that at the end of that meal, I'm presented with a coffee menu that just like it does with the wines and the bourbons and the whiskeys, I see by region or by flavor profile, the name of the producer, the variety and the cost. Mm. And I can start to have that experience. So now as a consumer, wow, I have this fantastic, but, 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 but. now I think about going home and, you know, I, consumers will have a French press that's probably been sitting in the cabinet unused. But now that I have the opportunity, oh, I can purchase that. And I think it's a matter of building a relationship. And so, mm. again, go, to go back to answer, I think that there are some consumers who do care and need to learn more. And I think that there are consumers who can learn to care. And even those who don't, what I think we can help them to do is to value the fact that the coffee they're drinking was created by a craftsperson that is artisanal in nature and worth both their time and the dollar. Mm -hmm. Before we wrap up this episode, I do want to let you in on a bit of an industry secret with regards to fine dining and coffee, if I may. And it Please. is the dirtiest little secret that's kept within the fine dining industry. And that is that the majority of fine dining restaurants are subsidized by huge coffee roasting companies who actually fund a lot of the award ceremonies. So the Hatted Award Ceremonies and the uh, a lot of those uh, award ceremonies the way that fine dining restaurants get a look in into being considered for those awards is by using the coffee companies that sponsor those award ceremonies, which is why you usually get, it's why you usually get served super shit coffee. It's because those are the only companies that can afford to sponsor those award ceremonies. And the way that these restaurants get a look in into those awards just to be considered is because they use those coffee companies. And that has been, that's been happening for 30 years. So I always take my, I, I, I don't do fine dining anymore out of uh, a respect to uh, a lot of things, but I don't think we need to do fine dining to respect food. I think that we support small business. Uh, and and I, the way that I use my money is to spend it at businesses that I think are running good businesses, not perpetuating business models that I think are fundamentally flawed. And I think it's so hard for fine dining restaurants. God bless them. But it's so hard in the same way that specialty coffee is so hard to run a, a viable business. We have to help people understand that, I mean, Renee Redzepi, 
got really honest on Instagram one day when some he said, ask me anything and I'll answer it. And somebody says, how much money, what net profit do you make? And he said, 3%. And I was blown away at the correlation between how much money he doesn't make and how much money specialty coffee doesn't make. They are almost exactly aligned in the fact that they make about 3% net profit. This is not a viable business model that we should be telling people, you should be in this business. You should be in this business. Right. And we need to speak more openly about why people are being, I don't know, tricked is a strong word and I'm not sure that that's the right word, but um, it's somewhere in the vicinity of that where people feel that they want to get involved in an industry because it's fancy, because it's specialty, because it's fine dining. There is so much happening behind the curtains. Folks, one of the most well-known specialty coffee brands in this industry in the United States but has a worldwide following which has led you to believe that they are just doing fucking amazing is VC funded by one of the biggest companies in the world. And you should know that because so many people aspire to these kinds of things only to find out that it's so much harder than what they thought it would be. And it kind of feels unfair that people are not getting told this reality. Lee, thank you for sharing the secret. And to your point, we do need to expose more. Mm-hmm. And I think about it, again, as I shared, I love metaphors. Um, I think many businesses, but especially coffee in particular, is like getting married. Mm-hmm. Everybody's excited about the wedding. Yep. No one really realizes the work you have to do to make the marriage work. Word. Right. And and I think that's that same thing happens. Everybody's excited about getting into coffee. Everyone says, yes, do it. And then you open your wedding, that grand opening, and then you're left to figure out, okay, now how do I make this marriage work? Word. And I think um, that's where a lot of a lot of folks struggle. I love it. God, I'm loving this conversation with you, Brian. Can't wait for the next episode. Join we us, folks. We always do. <laughs> Peace, love, and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Mapper Forward, head to mapperforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.